We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. season uh we're gonna bring on our guy kenny Ducey, the real kd uh for what your second or third appearance on the pod this season you made some appearances on the rotowire xm show as well to, to much acclaim but uh always glad to have you back on the pod and looking forward to kind of doing a whip around at a bunch of teams ahead of the playoffs yeah i love talking ball with you and i definitely i think i think this might be my third appearance in the starting lineup so it's uh, I guess things are going well if you invite me back, but it's it's very nice to be here. And yeah, I mean, it's a very exciting time in the association. And I got to say, just off the bat, it I really love that we have a play-in tournament now. And, and it, the funny thing is I used to complain about how, you know, the NBA had way too many teams in the playoffs to begin with, uh, especially compared to my beloved baseball. And, you know, to be, to be frank, I feel like I don't, I don't want to give the NBA props for like, you know, their, their dumb plan to end tanking, but I will say it, it does make for more exciting basketball down the stretch, especially, you know, which I'm sure we'll talk about the Western conference. There's like yeah. all of these teams separated by one game. Uh, so it, it's, you know, even if you you feel good about, okay, well, we're going to make the play in tournament. It's, it, there's still so much to be decided. It's, it's definitely made for, for a lot more, you know, cool games. Like even the, uh, yeah, so I, I don't I don't want to go on a rant here just right off the bat, but yes, it, it's been fun, good time. Well, let's go right into the West. I I was going to start Knicks, but we'll we'll get to them at some point here. I think that's the only obligation we really have. What's interesting is that even if the play in wasn't a thing, I, I think we we'd have basically the exact same debacle in the West. We we now just have two extra spots essentially uh, that will be filled by those play in teams, but that doesn't change the fact that the Clippers, Timberwolves, Warriors, Pelicans, Lakers, Thunder, and the Mavericks are all separated by two and a half games or fewer right now. And you know, we could even include a team like the Utah Jazz, who I, I still yeah, have no idea what they're doing night to night. I, I don't think the Jazz want to make the playoffs. And yet, you know, then they'll like randomly beat the Celtics and then they'll beat the Kings. 
Uh, that kind of leaves me wondering what their motivation is. But the way I see it right now, I think Minnesota is starting to play better. I don't not not that they're a team we can depend on. Um, you know, Golden State, I, I still kind of have this infrastructure trust with them. I, I kind of see it as New Orleans, the Lakers, the Thunder, and the Mavericks, four teams competing for three spots. Yeah, I was going to bring up the Jazz because it, when I was talking about the play-in tournament, because really that's the only difference is you know uh, ver, you know versus uh, the top eight making it versus the the play-in tournament being a thing is the Utah Jazz actually do have a chance to catch the Thunder, and it it does feel like justified or uh, just rather that we would have a play-in tournament with all these teams just sort of clumped together. Um, but like it, it is sort of fascinating how we had the Clippers as a preseason NBA title favorite. And now, you know, they're, they're essentially on the same level as the Dallas Mavericks who look like they are, you know, I mean, they're, they're only separated by three games, but here in New York, the, the, the narrative is do not let the Mavericks lose too much or else, that pick might be in the top 10 and the Knicks, they don't convey it to the Knicks. Uh, right. Like that's how poorly they're playing yet. There's only three, three games separating them from the preseason NBA title favorite. So it, it is, it is crazy um, in that sense. And frankly, the Suns are also, you know, right there with the Clippers as well. I'm um, just a game up in the loss column, but like, uh, does anyone really care about the Suns anymore? Like, you know, the, the seams sort of really, uh, or the wind rather came out of their sails when the Durant injury happened. Cause now it, it felt like we were just starting to get excited about what this team could do. And now, I mean, I, I have, I mean, when, when I'm looking at NBA futures and I'm thinking about who's going to win the finals, like they're just not coming to mind for me. I'm just not excited about this team at all. And that's, sad because Chris Paul is still playing well. Like if you look at his numbers, he's still been Chris Paul, but I just feel like they gutted that, that, that whole team was dangerous because of their depth. And we'll obviously talk about a lot of teams with a lot of depth, but it just doesn't feel like they have the same bite. Like they're going to need KD to come back and instantly start scoring 35 points a night to, to be like an elite team. Um, but then again, the West is sort of, the West is sort of weak. So I could see, a multitude of things happening, but it, it, it definitely is like a weird year for the West mm -hmm. because we always talk about this with the Eastern conference, how there's, there's so many right. mid teams. And now that that's the case with the West. Yeah. I got a couple rebuttals here. So one, you mentioned the Mavericks and that pick with the Knicks, that is very much a narrative that people should be paying attention to. And I think, I think the onset of the play in tournament kind of makes you forget like how bad some of these teams are in terms of where they rank in the league, because in the West, we're talking about 12 out of 15 teams. If we include Utah, like being involved in this playoff chase. So you forget that whatever team finishes in 12th or 11th, like all of a sudden they're, you know, Utah's a, a top 10 pick right now. You know, Dallas, like you said, would be picking 11th if the season ended today and we went in order of the lottery odds. So I think you could kind of get lost in this, like, Oh, we're, we're, we're making the chase for the playoffs, but even the teams that make the play in, you know, if you get the, the nine spot or the 10 spot, you lose right away and you're done. Um, you know, it's, in your mind, you're kind of thinking like, Oh, we, we, we quote unquote made the playoffs. And then you turn around and you're picking 12th in the draft a couple months later. Yeah. It, it is wild in that sense that while we've talked about the fact that it de-incentivizes tanking, like it, 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 you still at the end of the day have a chance for a pretty decent pick, even if you made yeah. the play in tournament, um, there's a lot of bad teams that make it. So um, I, I, it, it definitely is a narrative that that more people should be talking about, though, as you said, this Mavericks conveying the pick to the Knicks narrative because, you know, selfishly, right, the Knicks were ridiculed 
for the Porzingis trade and, you know, Max Kellerman and Stephen A. Smith and the like went on the air. I can't believe the Knicks did this. And now we're looking at the fact that the Knicks are one of the strongest teams, I would say, in the NBA going into the playoffs anyway. In terms of what we're talking about with the West, like so much parity out there. The, the Knicks look, the Knicks have looked for now the last two months, like very good. And I'm not saying they're on, you know, the, the Milwaukee, Boston, Philly level, but I mean, they're, they're right there. And, right. you know, I, I would say the nuggets are better than them, but I think that's, that's, you know, maybe where I would stop. Like, I think mean, this is, this is a top seven team going to the playoffs. Is that, is that crazy to say? I don't think so. It's not crazy to say. I, I think, you know, if you put them in the Western conference, it's like, Kings Knicks in the first round. I don't think anybody's like, oh yeah, Kings are definitely winning that series. I mean, you, you could have the, the Knicks are absolutely I, winning that series. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I think <laughs> at the very least, the it's, at the very least, it's a 50-50. Uh, I don't like the Knicks yeah. versus the the Memphis Grizzlies with everything that's gone on there. I, I think that's a close series as well. Um, you know, I mean, I, I think where we maybe disagree a little bit is on the Suns, who you mentioned, and you're you're not overly enthused about Phoenix. I mean, the oddsmakers would disagree. They are pretty handily. The, the favorite to emerge from the West. And I, I think part of that is Kevin Durant's coming back tomorrow. So there's this belief now that, okay, if he, if he plays in maybe six of their, their last seven games, that's enough for him to get up to speed. Normally I wouldn't buy that argument. Like we saw how, like I thought LeBron looked pretty bad the other day uh, coming off of the foot injury against the Bulls. Defensively, he was a, a complete nightmare. He's the type of guy that he always needs time. Every time he's been hurt, he needs time to come back, work his way in. KD to me is like the one exception to that rule. Like he'll miss two months with a sprained MCL, come back and score 31 in 28 minutes. You know, his first game back. He's so transferable team to team. You're right. They, they did gut that team in terms of depth. I think they're really going to miss McCall Bridges on the defensive end in the postseason. But at the same time, you're getting Kevin Durant. You know, like you, you give up what you need to. You didn't have to give up Booker. You didn't have to give up Paul. You didn't have to give up Aiton. Um, like to me, if, if, the, if you could tell me the Suns will be mostly healthy through the playoffs, I, I think they're the team to come out of the West. I, I, I just think when they're at full strength, and the thing is, we've only seen three games of KD with this team. I, I think if he doesn't go down, they probably look like a much different team over the last month. And we're viewing them as the the, the big time favorites in the West. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with all that. And I'm not I'm not saying that Kevin Durant's not, you know, not good anymore. And then the Suns aren't going to win their first round series. I, I would expect them to. But, you know, I, I do feel as though the, the numbers or the uh, the odds rather are the way they are because of we have to consider the sports books liability at this point, right? Like they took on so much sun's money uh, before the season, you know, up, up until the trade deadline, there were, there were people taking the suns. I mean, I feel like the consensus was that Durant's going to the suns really since last, last fall, right? Like we were all just like, well, Durant wants out. Where's he going to go? The suns. I, I mean, I correct me if I'm wrong, because I, I believe I saw this uh, around the trade deadline, but I'm I'm pretty sure that the books took on a lot of Suns futures. So like oh, yeah. with that in mind, there's no way they could move them to plus 700 plus 750. Now, I'm not saying they would make a drastic move like that, but I do feel as though some of the liability is baked into the line where they're like, well, we we, we really don't need any more Suns money um, right. because, look, I mean, I would be scared if I were them that Kevin Durant's coming back and, and Kevin Durant is still, you know, a, a top three player in basketball, right? Like, or, or top five. Um, so I, I do feel like it makes sense, but look, you put them against the Bucks, the Celtics, I, frankly, even, even the Nuggets, like, I mean, Aiton, uh, I think Aiton gets schooled by Jokic every time. Like, I, I don't know. I, I, I have a hard time seeing that the Suns have the depth required to go all the way. They're good though. I mean, 
like they're better. Like we just talked about how how average, right? How mediocre the West is. Like I, I still like the Suns better than the Kings. My my formerly beloved Clippers, the Timberwolves, the Pelicans, the Lakers. I I, I mean probably the Warriors, but you know I do stop when we get to these these powers in the East. Like and that's I think my biggest thing going to the playoffs is that I am so sure that a team from the Eastern Conference is going to win based on what we've just talked about. And given the fact that like, I just think the Bucks and the Celtics are head and shoulders above everyone else with the, I, I, so I think the odds make sense. Um, I think, I think I would, I would probably bet on the Suns coming out of the West, but I definitely don't think they're going to win the finals. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors. According to indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I think you said it perfectly. I think the West is uniquely set up for them this season to make this kind of run. I think we we have a ton of questions about you know KD's health, Chris Paul's health, uh, how many games KD is going to have with this team. Like those are all very legitimate, but you know there's no 66 win Golden State Warriors team that you have to get through as the final boss in the Western Conference. Like if ever there was a year for all those things to just not matter, I think it's this one. You know, it's like you're you might get the Clippers in round one without Paul George, and then you know round two. You're getting a Nuggets team that, yes, is very good. You know, had a fantastic win over Milwaukee on Saturday, but nobody thinks of the Nuggets as like this all-time juggernaut one seed in the Western Conference. So I think all the questions we have about Phoenix are legitimate. I just don't think they're going to matter in the West, but but you're right. I think they're going to run into, whether it's Milwaukee or Boston or, or even Philly or maybe the New York Knicks, uh, that is when things, you know, really get dicey for the Suns. Um, I, I want to go to the bottom of the West quick before we, we transition to the East. And, you know, you, you mentioned tanking early on. I don't really think that tanking has been nearly as big of an issue this year 
as the NBA thought it would. I, I think load management has has kind of superseded uh, tanking as a concern. I think you know the, the league put out that memo back in like September or October. It was like one day after the Wembenyama Scoot Henderson showdown, and I, I think the league panicked and thought that half of the league was just going to you know tank its way to to try to get one of these guys. And to me, like Detroit, Houston, and San Antonio very quickly established themselves as the three worst teams. And, you know, now we're starting to see a kind of weird tanking of like, not the worst teams, but like teams like Portland and Indiana and Utah. It's like, we're, we're seeing this like mid lottery tanking as opposed to a true race to the bottom that we've seen in years past. Yeah. And it, it definitely makes for more fascinating finish as you're talking about. Also, like, I, I do think that, um, it's, it's like even the Knicks, right. The Knicks learned their lesson when they got RJ Barrett that like, you know, it, it really is worth it to try to do something like, and I think also a factor is the Kevin Durant Kyrie Irving thing, which obviously didn't work out for Brooklyn. Like those guys saw, Oh, well the Nets, you know, and it's very ironic because the Nets had to give up all the players that they had built this quote unquote winning culture with to get those guys because they had to clear the space, but, or, or to get James Harden rather to, to really put that team together. Um, you know, obviously getting rid of Dinwiddie, Jared Allen, the like, but I, I so I do feel like you do have to be good enough where a, a, a big free agent is like, Oh, you know, they, they seem to know what they're doing over there. Right. Like they have a competent front office. Um, they have pretty good player development. They know what players to go after. Like that is important, right? And I do feel as though if you're tanking, if you're just completely just throwing in the towel, like you know the Spurs are, the Rockets are, like a team like the Jazz, they they've played well enough this year where a, a player is is going to be more enticed to play there because it does feel like they have identified some good talent. Markinen's had a great season, and you know the future looks bright there, right? And also they just so happen to be in line to get like potentially a top five pick, you know, probably top 10 uh, they're locked into. So, you know, I, I do feel as though the tanking thing has been good where it does provide that balance where you need to like, like, like the Knicks, for example, are a team that even though they really didn't make, they didn't make the playoffs last year. They, they didn't, they didn't have a great season. They still displayed a level of competence that was like, okay, well things are still moving in the right direction. And uh, look, I don't know how much it really means. Like, I don't know. I'm not in the head of a lot of these superstars where sometimes they just want to go to the best blank slate out there. Like, Oh, there's just no salary on this roster. We can just pop in and bring a friend and there we go. Uh, but I also do feel like, you know, w what we learned with the latest, you know, the the last big free agency saga was that it, it does sort of matter the direction you're heading. And so you can't really embarrass yourself and just look like, you know, like a lost organization, even even shout out to the Orlando Magic, you know, the Orlando Magic are playing really well right now. Uh, I, I actually think they have a good chance to beat Memphis tonight. And I, I would I would love to be right if someone's listening to this on Wednesday or Thursday. But like the magic, you know, look, they're in position to maybe get Wembenyaba, but also or Wembenyaba, but also like they they have beaten some good teams. They beat Brooklyn and New York on back to back nights. Mm -hmm. You know, Franz Wagner looks good, and who knows what's going to happen? And they just got a, a top a top uh, a top pick last year. So I I do think that things are definitely changing in the NBA, and I think they're changing for the better because you can still sort of you know, try to develop your guys in season, have your rookies play. Paolo Bunker obviously has, has developed, you know, pretty well this year. He's come along. So I, I think that it's ultimately good, been good for the league. And I think we are reaping the benefits right now. Interesting point on Orlando, by the way, because I, I completely agree. They've played at essentially a league average pace for like 
essentially the second half of the season. I mean, they've, they've been much better than the record would indicate. I think they've you know kind of gradually made up ground on Indiana. Uh, they're really not that far out. I mean, they're only four games back of Chicago for that 10 spot in the East. I, I think they are in a good spot. I, I think they, they feel like the organization that, that's being rewarded like karmically for doing it the right way. And yet I, I think if you go back and look at their recent draft history, it's not like they're knocking these out of the park, right? I mean, like the Franz Wagner pick. Yeah, that was a good one. Beck Carroll looks like a hit. But like Chumo Kiki in twenty in twenty nineteen, that that's a whip. I don't even think he's going to be on the roster next year. Like Jonathan Suggs, Isaac, yeah, Jonathan best, Isaac, best hair I mean, we'll, in the business. We'll see on Jalen Suggs, but you know, I, I think they'd probably rather have Josh Giddy, who went one pick later, and obviously they they got. I mean, who wouldn't rather have well. Josh Giddy? Not me. I'll, I'll tell you that much. And they took Mo Bamba right before Wendell Carter, who obviously they ended up getting anyway. But the Bamba pick, you know, becomes nothing. Like they, my point is that they could be even in an even better spot than they are if they didn't have terrible injury luck with Jonathan Isaac and, and kind of whiff on a couple of these high lottery picks. I mean, yeah, I, I was, I was making the point largely that I love Josh Gideon. I think I would, I mean, I, I would probably take Evan Mobley over him in that draft. I would probably still take Cade Cunningham, but like, I don't know. I mean, I, look, you're right though. Like it, it, it does feel as though the, the magic could be sitting in, you know, I mean, but th- that's also what makes Golden State, right? That that's what makes them such a uh, unique example. Is like everyone just assumes, right, that like they they just got Steph Curry and the rest sort of fell into place. But they hit on all of those draft picks that they had. Like it, they didn't just, and they were bad for a period of time. But they didn't just accumulate the picks and then just make them. Like we've seen so many failures and frankly not that many successes with teams that have repeatedly picked in the lottery and they teams just have not been able to assemble uh very good teams like just year after year it's been really hit and miss even the knicks a team we were just talking about how strong they are look at the amount of i mean rj barrett looks like a a bad pick right i mean i don't know how it looks from the outside i don't know i don't know about you like not watching knicks basketball every night but you know, you do look at the on-off splits, like, and and the shooting numbers. Man, have gotten so bad. He's, I mean, he's just not really the guy that they they hoped that he would develop into. And I th- I think there's been plenty of examples, and yet they're still in in a good position. Like, you know, so you don't. Yeah. I, I I think that it's it, it's definitely hard to hit on all your picks. But with that, like, the Magic did have two chances, and they managed to get Franz Wagner, who turned out to be good in that draft. And um, I don't know. I, I, I like the Magic. I, I'm hopeful that the Magic can figure it out, and next year's a good season for them because the way that they ended this year, and again, more incentivizing ending te- or teams ending the season on a high note. Like how many times, like the Thunder, like as much as I want to love the Thunder because I love Josh Giddy, I sort of I sort of hate them for how many times over the last few years they've just shut down all their players after after the All Star break. Like oh well, we just want to tank the rest of the season. Um, and you're seeing right now like what happens when you don't do that? Oh, maybe the Mavericks suck. Maybe you know maybe all the teams in the West suck, and you can lock into a play in spot. Like we should be incentivizing teams to try at the end of the season as opposed to just like giving their players game reps and then just shutting them down and, and hoping for another good draft pick the next year. Because I do feel as though that's the best way to develop your team is actually have these guys on the floor. And, you know, as someone who watched Tom Thibodeau not put their rookies on his rookies on the floor for several years, it is maddening. And I think it does ultimately help the players when they do play. Last thing on Orlando, by the way, is they get the bulls pick in this draft. Uh, I, I believe that's only top four protected. So unless Chicago makes a major jump up there, uh, and the, the Bulls have actually been playing well lately. I mean, they're seven and three in their last 10. Uh, we'll, we'll see what happens over the last week and a half, but it's completely realistic that Orlando could pick like fourth and seventh 
in this draft too. So they, I mean, they'll have a chance to add two difference makers. The other thing with the draft is, you know, we always talk about like, it's so important to get that top three pick. I challenge you to go back and find any draft in the last 20 years where all three of the top three picks turned out to be good, you know, and, and that obviously becomes exponentially more difficult as you expand to like the fourth or the fifth pick. Like, I think it's easy to look at a mock draft and be like, man, every single one of these guys is going to be great. That's there's true. always, there's always a Wiseman. There's always a Marvin Bagley or Alonzo ball. Uh, like it, it, it never happens where all three of those or, guys or an RJ Barrett. <laughs> Look, I don't, I, I struggle with RJ Barrett. I was a huge RJ Barrett guy coming out of college. I thought I, I was like really pinning my reputation to like, this guy's going to be so good in the NBA. He has an NBA game. He's not really suited for the college level. It just hasn't clicked, dude. Let, let's use this as a bridge to talk New York Knicks. I'll just let you go here. All right. Well, first of all, I was going to say, I'm still looking back through previous drafts. I've, I'm now on 2016 and Ben Simmons is the, is the, uh, jo- the Jonathan Wiseman of that year. And then Jaleel Okafor the year. But so I think you're right. Like it, the, nailing the top three in, in a row is like, it, it seems like it's impossible. There's always going to be happens. one whiff. So yeah. And I really, I really hoped that Michael Kidd Gildchrist was going to be that guy, you know, but he ended up, I, mean, I was, everyone was so happy for Michael Kidd Gildchrist when he got picked too. And then that was the highlight of his career. But uh, yeah, the Knicks, man, uh, look, I, I think, and, and we can sort of parlay this, no pun intended, into six man of the year talk with Emmanuel quickly, uh, because I, I do think that he deserves it quite a bit. I think he locked it up last it, night. I think so too. I mean, well, I think he really locked it up with, uh, didn't he have another like insane game? What was it? Two weeks ago, he had 40 points. Uh, it was when Brunson, uh, was, when out. Brunson was out, right? Yeah. 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 And, uh, uh, it was 38. He had 38 against the Celtics. I mean, that was, I mean, look, this, this kid is good. And I think the bigger, the bigger conversation has to be about the fact that or really the reason that he's going to get the award is the Knicks have, the best bench in basketball, best neck rating out of any team. Um, and when you look at the fact that the reason, the driving reason is that they have an incredible point guard who has just been there all season long. He is, he has hardly missed a game. I think he's only missed like maybe one or two and on a consistent basis, he's shooting the ball. Well, he's setting up his teammates while he's playing excellent defense and, like like we 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 talk about uh, guys like Obi Toppin having a, a jump up Isaiah Hartenstein one of my favorite players in the NBA and and I am a Hartenstein and I I do love all the TikToks about Isaiah Hartenstein keep them coming like it would not be possible without Emmanuel quickly and I, also the Knicks would not be the five seed in in the East without the best bench in basketball judging by net rating so with that like I do think that he is super deserving of this award and. Yeah, Malcolm Brogdon has had a great year, but you know his the unit he's led is outside of the top five. So you know, look, I think he's the most important player, one of the most important players to one of the best teams in the East. And in general, I just think the Knicks are very well positioned because what we have seen out of them, which we have not seen a lot, is great offense. And I think that was a, a maddening thing last year, year before. This team didn't know how to score when they faced even just a, a, a middle of the road defense. Um, they they run out of answers when Julius Randle, or they used to run out of answers anyway when Julius Randle, you know, didn't have it, which was a lot more frequent last year. And I think that's what's been great about Jalen Brunson, and frankly, what's been great about Julius Randle this year. I don't know if I've talked about this specific uh, aspect of the Knicks on the pod before, but what I love is Julius Randle is so much more humble now. That and and he knows that Jalen Brunson is good. That these guys trade off on a nightly basis based on 
really who's playing well. And I think that's a big step in Julius Randle's maturity. He still takes way too many bad shots. But the one thing he doesn't do is take four or five of those in a row when he's having an off shooting night or when the team's just throwing doubles and triples at him. Like, that, you know, he will share the ball and he is more than content to have Jalen Brunson lead this team down the stretch. And any good team, you know, any of these teams, the Celtics, the Nuggets, you all have to have that aspect where I mean, the Nuggets are a little different because, you know, you just live and die with Jokic in the last two minutes in a close game. It doesn't really matter who, who's on him. But I, I do think like, you know, Jalen Brunson and, and, and uh, Jalen, uh, Jason Tatum, like they know how to play off of each other. That is the quality that these guys now possess. And it's cool. And I, I really think the sky's the limit for this team. I cannot believe they're, they're uh, nine to one or 90 to one to win the NBA finals. It seems outrageous to me. Um, I, and uh, mm-hmm. I, I do think that they have a good chance. I don't know if they can beat the uh, bucks in a seven game series, which we've talked about, I think on the pot or on the radio before me and you, but I do think, they could beat the Celtics in a seven game series. They could beat these when they own the head to head in the, in the season series, they could beat the Sixers in a seven game series. They can beat any of these teams in a seven game series. So I think you're getting insane value on a team that could easily go to the Eastern conference finals. And I mean, with the way that they score the basketball and the way they've hunkered down at times on defense as well. I mean, they, they you know, we got to talk about the fact that they're just outside the top 10 there as well. Um, I, I really have high hopes, which is crazy to say. Um, and I know I'm going to get let down because it's the Knicks at the end of the day. But I mean, the amount of different guys that can do it on a nightly basis. Quentin Grimes is a guy that I was so so excited about entering the year. Uh, great, great shooter. He's developed his game so much. And then you just won't see him for 10 games because Josh Hart is such a, you know, a, a major factor for this team. And then he'll just pop off for 20, 25 points. Like it, it, those are those are the types of teams that win finals. It, they, it, they do like. You, you have to have a multitude of guys that if if the defense is going to game plan off of them, they can easily score 20 points and swing a game. And, you know, it, it's been it's been worse guys than Quentin Grimes for for championship teams, you know, or or almost championship teams like we've seen it happen with Jeff Green. We've seen it happen with Harrison Barnes. You just have to have that a, a lot of options because that is how you keep defenses guessing. And that's what the Knicks are able to do on offense. And it's fun. And. They can they can run the floor. They got a lot of athletic guys, and uh, I I do feel as though they got a great chance. And I also think their numbers, their their record would be better, and their defensive numbers would be better if Mitchell Robinson played an entire season, uh, and he's been missing for for chunks of this year. So I also think that's something we need to factor in. Frankly, with the I mean the Celtics too, like Robert Williams when he's missing, it's just a different team on defense. So I would be really really interested to see a Knicks Celtics seven game series. I hope we see it, and I think it would be really really fun. And I think it would go seven. And I think I would have to say the Knicks will win. But that's also I, I, I We disagree on the ceiling. Look, I love this team. I, I think you're absolutely right. They could get to the Eastern Conference Finals. I think the problem is they're going to run into Milwaukee in round two if the Bucks hang yeah, out. Yeah, they're not going to beat Milwaukee. I agree. Right. Yeah. So I, I, th- I think it stops there. I mean, everything you said about this team makes total sense. I, I would direct you over to like the basketball reference page where it just it just lists all the title teams. Like there is quite literally no precedent for a team with someone like Julius Randle as its best player winning the finals. They have all the other pieces. They don't have the number one guy. Well, who says he's their best player though? I, well, I mean, I, I don't, it doesn't matter player. if you want to say it's Brunson. Like nobody, nobody's ever won a title with Jalen Brunson or somebody on that level as their best player. I mean, I, I, I agree that yes, they're, they're lacking, but I, I think also it's a different season. It, it is. Um, it is because I sure. don't think, I don't think that we've seen, uh, I mean, I don't think we've seen a team with one star, uh, you know, lead a, a like a team without 
many other good complementary players. And I sort of feel like that's what we have here. Now, I mean, like, I'm not trying to diss the Suns. Like, the Suns have a good center. They obviously have Dev Booker and Chris Paul. That is the closest thing that we've had to um, sort of the finals winners that we've seen in years past. But, I mean, I think the Bucks sort of proved it right like i i'm you know obviously Giannis is is stratosphere is better than julius randall and uh and jalen brunson but i mean i i don't think that they have really anyone else besides those guys that uh anyone would have called a championship level player and yet they all come together uh even behind a really bad coach who still has a job for some reason and they just play really good defense and they share the ball and they shoot really really well and like uh, look, you're right. Like they are missing that one guy. And that's ultimately why I don't think they're going to win the finals, but um, they could absolutely knock off some teams. And by the way, the seating is not set in stone yet. They could easily see the bucks in the Eastern conference finals and not the second rounds. So I- I'd-, I'd be interested to see though, what would happen between the Knicks and the bucks. I don't think they would win. I think Giannis would, uh, would just be able to take over. And I'm- I mean, I'm terrified of that matchup. I think that ends in five games, but the Celtics, I mean, the Knicks have proven this season that they are just as good as the Celtics and, you know, just judging by their head-to-head matchups. So I think they match up very well. And you're right, like, uh, that, that, is, that is holding them back. But I also think maybe you get a cool headshot, hedge opportunity. Maybe Giannis gets hurt. Like, who knows? So many things happen in the playoffs. I feel like every year we have a huge injury in the playoffs, right? Like, it, and it impacts things. So why can't that happen, next, uh, you know, in the next couple of weeks? I get the sense that you are not worried about the Cleveland Cavaliers who are overwhelmingly no. the, the most likely first round matchup. I'm not worried about the Cleveland Cavaliers. Cause I, I don't, I, I think that they have many, like the, the Cavaliers defend very well in the front court, but I don't think their backcourt defense is where it needs to be to stop this, this Knicks attack. And I, again, I think people would look at Julius Randall and say, okay, well, he's really going to struggle against Evan Mobley. He's really going to struggle against Jared Allen, but they don't really like, that that is the difference between this team and the last Knicks team that went to the playoffs was that they have so many other guards. Like when the Knicks played the Hawks, uh, Clint Capella shut down Julius Randle. He had absolutely no idea what to do out there and they couldn't hit a shot and they were relying on Derek Rose, uh, you know, to give them good minutes at the point guard position. I mean, I don't know if you got, remember Alfred Payton was starting those games for a while. The fans were clamoring. Like this is a, this is such a different guard group. This is, I mean, they have, they have, you know, four or five guys that are starting level guards. And again, I just think you got to have a really strong guard defense. I did the Cavaliers play excellent defense. I'm not saying they're not a good team, but I think that the, the handicap on that certainly changes with the fact that the Knicks do not need to rely on Julius Randle. And frankly, I mean, Julius Randle likes to play on the perimeter as well. Like that's sort of what, what he loves to shoot threes. So I, I don't know. I think it'd be a fun matchup. And I think that the Knicks absolutely could, could win. But I'm not Do you have any out. interest in like the playing zone in the East? I feel like we, we talk about the West all the time. Like I just I can't get myself to care about the Nets, the no. Hawks, the Raptors, I the agree. Bulls. Like I, I just think those are all sacrificial lamb teams. I, I care about the Raptors a little bit. Like I, yeah. for some reason, I, I don't know what it is. Um maybe it's that sort of Golden State hex or uh spell rather, the spell that people are under with Golden State. Like it doesn't matter what their record is. They you just like you just assume they're going to figure it out. Um I don't know what it is, but I just I've never really ever thought the Raptors were a bad team. And I mean, they're still really good at home. Uh they still have, you know, Fred VanVleet and they still have a, a good head coach and I think probably that's what it is is that I still think Nick Nurse is a good coach, even though his team is ninth in the East. But you're right. I, I have no interest. Um, I'm fr- Frankly, I'm shocked that the Nets are still hanging on to that sixth seed. I know Mikhail Bridges has been great, but 
Uh, I just, I, to me, they, I mean, look, they have not been winning a lot lately. I, I do not think that that team, you want to talk about a team like the Nets not winning, like, or a team that doesn't have a main guy not winning the finals, like the Nets, uh, Spencer Dinwiddie talked a big game about being the guy, right? He wanted to be the guy on a team. And he is, I mean, he has just been, this, this fourth quarter has been a huge problem for the Brooklyn Nets ever since Durant and Irving left. They have nothing going for them on offense in the fourth quarter. And I know we like to say, or we like to think like that's like, for, you know, jargon for first take, right? Or it's just like, you know, it doesn't really matter. It's just a narrative. Like you watch this team play down the stretch in close games. Yeah, Spencer Dinwiddie's hit a couple of, of game winners in his career, which is cool. But the the totality of those five minutes are garbage. Like they do not know what they're doing. And I think maybe they could figure it out eventually, but I, you know, look, they're, they're struggling right now. They have only won three games in their last 10. And to me, like the heat have had similar struggles late in games, but at least the heat like have, you know, real players. Like I don't, I just don't feel like the nets are, are a six seed. So what, maybe that's the reason why this has no lore. Like, I, I think the Heat are, are better than the Nets. I think that'll show itself uh, sooner rather than later. If if the Heat don't end up um, making it to the the sixth seed, like I, I think that they will advance through the play-in tournament with flying colors. But yeah, I mean, I you're right. Like I mean, the, this is like what what is it? Eight through fifteen is really just a big heap of garbage. <laughs> it feels like right. Like it does. Yeah. Well, it's funny because none of those teams are as bad as some of the eight seeds that I feel like we saw last decade, you know, when it was like Bucks, Pistons or like LeBron's heat against the magic. Like those just felt like, wow, this team does not belong here. And like, I, I don't know if I'd say that about the Hawks. Like they have talent, same with Toronto, uh, even Chicago to a degree. Like th these are not like truly bad teams who don't deserve to be in the playoffs, but they're just so far behind that top three. Uh, okay. I know you got to get out of your suit. So we'll end on this. Regardless of what happens the rest of this season, for the Knicks. I, I think you're, you're about as high on them as you could be. What is the path forward? Because RJ Barrett's locked up for essentially 25 mil to 29 mil over the next few years. Julius Randall's under contract. He's got a player option three years from now. Uh, obviously you're, you're happy about Brunson, but like, how does this team take the next step? So it is interesting. Like I, I look, they have their assets, uh, which is, which is the first thing. Evan Fournier is going to come off the books um, and, and that'll be helpful for them. And I, I think when Fournier comes off the books, Rose also, Derek Rose is going to come off the books eventually. He is a, I think a, a team option after this year. And I, I think Fournier has two years left and then a team option. So they're going to have to figure out a way to trade him. But I mean, that right there is uh, like over $30 million. And I think what we talked about with the Knicks being attractive to free agents, I think we are seeing it now. Like I, I think there was some real interest with with Donovan Mitchell, and uh, I, I won't I won't try to I'll try not to hate him too much for not coming to the next. But yeah, they're just that one star away from from really elevating themselves from you know a, a a good playoff team in the East to like a real championship contender. And I don't know who that player is. You know, people haven't have thought it was Bradley Beal in the past. People have thought it was Mitchell. Um, but it's not the, Bradley the Garrett, Beal. It's not it's not Bradley Beal because he obviously is locked up. But in the past, I'm saying like there have yeah, been yeah. names, right? And that's what I was going to say is one thing we know for sure in the NBA is that if it doesn't, I mean, it's very rare that it doesn't happen in a given season, but there is going to be a disgruntled superstar that wants to wants out via trade or wants out via free agency. And what, you know, and again, this is, I really think this is real, like this matters. Um, I, I do think that players 
do want to go play for this organization now. I think they've proven it now with with Brunson and and Randall that they are a, a they're a strong team and they have really good complementary players. And obviously, they're going to have to do uh, they're, they're going to have to try to. I would I would prioritize locking up quickly in Grimes, but all these guys are are going to eventually have to sign extensions. But look, I I think enough money comes off that it's a possibility in the next one or two years that they get a star and who knows who it's going to be. Maybe it's Zion Williamson. I don't even know if I want him at this point, but I think that someone, <laughs> someone will come to the Knicks and they will join Randall and Brunson. And I, I guess RJ Barrett also, unless it's a trade and they trade our RJ Barrett. And um, I think that'll really elevate them to a top three team. So I, I don't know who it is, but we're just gonna have to wait and see who it is. But someone will be pissed off about something eventually. We know that about the NBA. It, people just get upset. Players get upset. Every day, you know, Luka Doncic is usually the guy who gets upset, but other guys get upset too. It could be quite literally anyone. I think that the last yeah. decade of the NBA has taught us that that nobody. I, I don't care what the contract status is. I don't care what the the age is, the stature in the league. Like I, I think if you if you waited out long enough, somebody's going to shake free. And I think you're right. That's exactly what the Knicks are doing. Uh, Kenny, you got to get out of here. Sorry for keeping you a little late, but always enjoy talking never, hey, with you. Hey, and- I never apologize. I could have I could have said, you know, I don't want to talk to you anymore. I'm I'm gone. Goodbye. <laughs> Just hang but up the phone. I'm having a lot of fun here. And uh, yeah, it's uh, it's always a pleasure to be on with you. All right, man. Well, looking forward to the playoffs and we'll chat again soon.